0: It's another wonderful Friday and that means wherever you are, good evening and welcome to Data Chat on Raypar 100.5 FM. Data Chat is a program to analyze and interrogate survey findings so that you can better understand the numbers and make critical decisions and it is a production of NOI polls. Today we talk about crime, insecurity and kidnapping in Nigeria. A new survey uncovers interesting statistics about the situation in the country. That's coming up in a moment, I'm
1: Jodlena Ducanfo, and this is Data According to Hal Varian, chief economist Google, the ability to take data, to be able to understand it, to process it, to extract value from it, to visualize it, to communicate it, is going to be a hugely important skill in the next decade. At NOI Polls, we offer the combination of forward-thinking research and relevant data for the private, public, and the third sector across Nigeria and West Africa. We provide timely and relevant information on public opinions across sectors. Our values and principles are wrapped around professionalism, excellence, teamwork, integrity, and commitment. Call 092904162 or email inquiries at noi-polls.com. Also visit us at number 4, Depth Street, Meitama, Abuja. Remember, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. NOI Polls. Data. Analytics. Data Bank. Strategy.
0: Welcome back to Data Chat with me, Jodlena Dukafo. It's a pre election year with less than six months before the 2023 elections, and security across the country is in the headlines. A survey by Afrobarometer has found 41 in 100 Nigerians say crime and safety are the most important problems the government should address. The trend has been rising over time. The proportion of Nigerians citing crime as the most important problem has risen over time from 5% in 2007 to 41% this year. 61 in 100 Nigerians say they feel unsafe even walking in their neighborhood. Back in 2014, it was only 39 in 100 people. This year, 51% of Nigerians are afraid of crime in their home, up from 34% in 2014. In general, a combined 77% of respondents in the survey feel Nigeria is unsafe and has become less safe over the last 5 years. And the biggest threats to safety are break-ins, robbery, kidnapping, gang violence. The survey was conducted in March by Afrobarometer. So what is Afrobarometer? NOI Post Chief Executive Officer Chike Mwangu explains.
2: Afrobarometer is a pan-African, non-partisan, non-profit survey research network that provides reliable data on Africans' experiences and evaluations of democracy, governance, and quality of life. Nine survey rounds in up to 39 African countries have been completed since 1999. We'll have a map that kind of details this, but Nigeria was one of the very first countries, so we've done nine rounds of surveys in Nigeria. The goal of AfroBarometer is to give the public a voice in policy making by providing high quality public opinion data to policy makers policy advocates, civil society organizations, academics, news media, donors and investors, as well as ordinary Africans. And for us, polls, normally, Aprogrammita works with a national partner in each of the country to conduct the surveys. And in Nigeria, a and Survey was conducted by polls.
0: For the survey, 1,600 adult Nigerians were interviewed. How did that happen, and who were they?
2: So the methodology that was used is a nationally representative sample of adult citizens. And the key thing is that all respondents are randomly selected. Sample is distributed across regions, states, provinces, urban and rural areas, in proportion to their share in the national population. And the key takeaway is that every adult citizen in Nigeria has an importance of being selected. The interviews were done face to face in the language of choice of Nigeria, be it English, pidgin Dibo, Inouye, And then the standard questionnaire is always used for all the rounds of the survey. And the, well, at the point of using a standard questionnaire, is so, that questionnaire sorry, is so that we can be able to compare across countries and over time. The sample size in Nigeria for this round of survey was 1,600 adult Nigerians. And this yields a margin of error of plus or minus 2.5 percent and gives us a 95% confidence interval with our results. The fieldwork for around nine survey was conducted between 5th to 31st of March 2022. So what we're looking at, what we're going to be seeing in this data that was collected this year, and it's added, uh, current, and it's pertinent to the issues that we have at hand next time. Um, to just give us a view of our survey demographics and what we, um, what we, the people we spoke to, 52% were men, 48% were female. In regards to urban-rural learning, um, 43% of people we spoke to resided in an urban setting, while 57% resided in a rural setting. Education: 16% had no formal education, 80% had primary education.
0: Results of the survey was disseminated in Abuja at a gathering of security experts, media, security agencies, civil society organizations, and the general public. The survey reports, crime, security, and kidnapping is available for download on the Afrobarometer website, that's at afrobarometer.org, and on noi-polls.com. Also, you can monitor our social media handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. It's at NOI Polls. For a summary of the survey findings, here is Chike Nwangu. So the key
2: findings on this section is that crime and security rank at the top of the most important problems that citizens want the government to address. In other words, anybody that is buying to be Nigerian has to talk to us about how to face the crime and security in the country. Majority of Nigerians say that they felt unsafe while working in their neighborhoods. 61% of Nigerians feel unsafe working in their neighborhoods. And 51% feared crimes in their home, at least once during the previous year. More than three-fourths, 77% of Nigerians say that Nigeria is somewhat unsafe or very unsafe to live in. Only 23% consider the country to be safe okay. to live in. Those are really concerning numbers. Nigerians consider thefts or breakings, robbery and kidnapping as the most serious threat to their safety and security in their neighborhood.
0: Now here is the boil down. Respondents were asked to give up to three answers about the top problems facing the country. While 41% mentioned crime and security, 39% said management of the economy, 35% said unemployment, infrastructure, electricity, all before things like corruption. The survey shows fear for safety rising over years and is not sectional. The data pinpoints where the fear is.
2: I'm trying to look at this by demography, so at least we get a sense of the group of people that kind of view this, Per chance is one particular section of the country. You can actually see that it's not really, um, there isn't a lot of difference in the terms of, um, in terms of the different demographics that we're looking at. So it's still the same question about feeling unsafe working in your neighborhood and then uh, fear of crime. You can see by gender, it's almost exactly the same for men and women, 61%, 61%. The red line is feeling unsafe and the black line is uh, fearing crime. When you look at uh, fear crime in your home, again, it's almost similar. When it comes to north and south, There's a bit of difference in feeling safe in walking around in your neighborhood. It seems a sense of insecurity is a bit higher in the the north than in the south, but when you look at difference, it's not so it's not significantly different, except maybe peer crime in your home. When you look at urban and rural, again, there isn't so much difference between urban and rural settings. So it's not really a function of um, the area that you live. 62% rural, 60% urban, 53% rural, 47% urban. When it comes to age, the younger maybe 18 to 45 years, not so much difference. Maybe a little bit of decline when it comes to 46 years and those older. But again, the differences that we expect to see is not so much. So this is a generalized feeling across all demographics. Education, same, same, same thing when it comes to feeling safe working in your home. Maybe a slight difference in fearing crimes in your home for those that have more than secondary and more than secondary education. And when it comes to uh, as economic status, you can see that people with high need poverty, that's the people that have, um, that have foreign people seem to have be more fear of security. Yes, maybe we can attribute it to, their, um, to what their area would look like. But again, those that have low no lived poverty, 45% of them don't feel safe working in their neighborhood and that some percent of them fear crime in their home. These are really concerning numbers. That's
0: and if people are worried about threats to safety, what is the most serious threat in their neighborhood? So the question here was,
2: in your opinion, what is the most serious threat to your safety and security in your neighborhood? And top of the list was theft or breakings, ins reported by 23% of people that we spoke to. Robbery using threat using using or threatening force, that's the difference between the two. Eleven percent, ten percent kidnapping, theft livestock, murder, all of livestock, gang violence, alcohol abuse, excursion, all these are the list, but you can see the significant ones are theft of breakings, robbery, kidnapping, and then theft of livestock. Next slide. Again, when we try to look at this by urban and rural, just kind of understand where these kinds of crimes are and we seem to exist more? You see that when it comes to theft or break-ins, there isn't any difference between urban and rural settings. When it comes to robbery, you see that robbery is more in urban areas, whereas kidnapping is slightly more in rural areas, but theft of livestock is definitely more in the rural area. So again, difference in crime, but essentially the most prime which is the of is about the same proportion
0: you are listening to data chart a production of NOI polls on Paul 100.5 FM we'll be right back
1: how can a poll of 1000 people be representative of all Nigerian adults
0: as long as sample is taken randomly, And proportionate stratification is used to ensure that it is representative of all adults. The size of the universe doesn't matter. This is well illustrated in a quote made by a famous U.S. market researcher, which reads, If you don't believe in random sampling, next time you are in for a blood test, ask the doctor to take it all. Glad to have you back, this is Data Chat. Another portion of the Afrobarometer survey looked at kidnapping and the handling of it. Before we look at what the data says, let's hear what Nigerians have to say. NOI post Patricia Bassi has been on the streets to speak to a cross-section of Nigerians.
3: The government should do something about it, like, because it's becoming so, so bad, like it's as if it's every day it's happening and there are no more securities at the roadside and mostly like this Kaduna road and other places there are no more securities there
4: living in Nigeria is becoming even a risk itself see and we nigerians like we nigerians are of us are been scared to walk around and stuff so, the situation has really been bad see i i'm from kusuba state i i was traveling from kusuba state just she weeks. that was just last week and on I was, everybody was like we were, we were pessimistic. What will happen next? Yeah. Nobody was secure and all that. Like, we were just in a, in a situation of security and kidnapping and all. It's really, it's really rampant. Although recently there's been, it's not like um, that drop. It's not like that's been like three years back or been four years back. It's not as bad as before. But the government has tried in that aspect. I have to admit, at least there's there's a reduction. in Napli, Koko Haram, and a whole lot of like men activities in the state and the United States, but most to be done.
1: When you want to go, as you pray very well, you commit yourself to the uh, hands of God. You say, God, we protect you because uh, women, be. if the government, they cannot protect us. First people, they cannot protect us. It's only God that is protecting me.
3: I just think that the government needs to do something about it, seriously, it's going worse. It's just for them to provide security, a very tight security that was able to make Nigerians to move for so that all this kidnapping and everything minimised for some time.
4: None of my relatives has been have been kidnapped and but my sister was almost a victim of Nigeria bomb blast. I think that was 14 to 15 years, old. she was almost in victim, and if she had been a victim. So, will have been a really fatal blow and stuff. Yeah. So, how, how can the government address the situation? Well, you should just step up. You should just step up. Right? You feel what you feel. Yeah. You know, moving around you, the like Ufka, having all security around you, you don't really know what it means to be scared most times. So, you just have to have. Um,
5: there is a man
1: that is now in to He's to still there because the man is from my husband's village. The last time that we heard from them, they said they have not been kidnapping and they are not asking for money. And the man is still there with them. So we don't know. The, all, all the whole family, they are tired. They are tired and they are tired. They are just looking on God for the remorse of a man. You
3: what know, I think the government should? They should at least assist the women. Witness to be able to fight this insecurity. So how government how can government help take care of the
1: happening, this future of
3: the government?
0: Can this government help future? Those were Nigerians who spoke on insecurity and kidnapping and what the government should do. But what does the survey say about the issue and how the police is handling kidnapping?
2: The question here that we asked was, how serious of a problem are adoptions and kidnapping of citizens in our country today? You can see 65% say it's a very serious problem, a further 19% say it's a somewhat serious problem. When we put this together, we're looking at about 84% of Nigerians that believe it is a problem. When we asked people, in your opinion, over the past year, would you say that the cases of abduction or kidnapping in this country have increased, decreased or stayed the same? we can see that 53% say the rate of the cases of adoption has increased a lot over the past um, year. The further, 40, the further 21% say it has somewhat increased, and then percent say it has stayed somewhat the same. Again, we're looking at huge proportions. even if you just look at those that feel it has increased, that's 74% of them saying that the rate of the number of cases has increased over the past year. And then we finally ask people, how well or badly would you say the police is handling the kidnapping or abduction of Nigerian citizens? Concerning 58% of Nigerians say that they feel that the way the police is handling kidnapping or abduction of Nigerian citizens is fairly bad or very bad. Distributing this opinion about how how the police is handling this um, abduction and kidnapping in Nigeria just give us a sense of how it is, you will find red, Are people that say very badly or fairly badly, and then fairly well. In the south, a lot more people feel that the police is not handling it well. Whereas in the north, it's a bit, um, a bit uh, of a balance between handling very well and handling not well at all. Rural setting, people in the rural setting think they're handling a bit better. When you look. Uh not not the handling it better. The, more people still feel that they're not handling it well, but the proportion is a bit less when, will, when will we when we get by well, one side. When it comes to age, there isn't so much difference except within the group of those aged 26 to 35 years in terms of their ratings of how it's being handled. When it comes to um, when it comes to economic status, the most poor people really feel I mean, it declines when they're meeting the police anyway, but more poor people don't, as in, people with moderate to highly poverty, don't think they're handling it very well, more than the others. Um, education, interestingly, those with no formal education, 50 50, 50% think they're handling it very badly, 50% think they're handling it very well. For people with education higher than from primary to post secondary, a lot more of them think that they're not handling it very well. Well, for gender, there isn't much difference in their rating of how it is
0: being With the country heading into an election, security is critical. Kemio Kenyodo, executive director of Partners West Africa Nigeria, was on a panel at the dissemination.
3: I think we're all familiar with the security situation in the country. Once upon a time, you could look across the country and possibly say a particular geopolitical zone was safer than the other. However, if you look across the country now, from the southwest to the south-south to the southeast, to the northwest, to the north-central, to the northeast, there's no part of the country that doesn't have its own insecurity dynamics. So we're talking kidnapping, we're talking armed robbery, we're talking cultism. We're also looking at the impact of drugs um, um, within the system. We're looking at the impact of the proliferation of small arms Within the system, readily available um, um, arms, on um, how that is also impacting on insecurity um, across the country. Um, then, if you look at it across gender, once upon a time you would have said maybe women were more victims than men. But however, what you see now is that it's a crossboard; everybody is a victim. Um, irrespective of gender, if you look at the demography um, and you break it down, you would also look. I would look at it through the lens of even the younger Nigerians. So there's a tendency before you would say children were safe, quote unquote. And if you're looking at safety of children and you're looking at protection of children, you'll be looking at it through the lens of maybe um, robbery breaking into the house then kids might be victims but now even going to school Nelly, you may want to even going to school is a herculean task there's no there nothing can be taken for granted that when the kids go to school they would come back safe because schools have become targets of um, of insecurity right and that's because of the trend of kidnapping so with the trend of kidnapping everybody is a readily available material to be kidnapped and kidnapping now once upon a time kidnapping when you're talking ransom you're looking at double triple digits Um, a friend was telling me ransom can now come as low as 50 as low as 30 as low as 20 right so it speaks to what we're fundamentally dealing with in the country. And um, I'll round up by saying even the trend of sexual gender-based violence. So the trend of sexual gender-based violence, on the face of it, a lot of us see women, girl, child as victims. However, there is an underlying current of, boy ch- of the boy child also being victims of sexual gender-based violence and in places where they ought to feel secure. So, it basically speaks to either we're talking lack of performance or lack of adequate um, protective framework for the citizens. Nobody is safe.
0: Recent attacks have shown signs of different bandits and terror groups linking up. And that has shaped counterterrorism operations that are active in the northeast of the country, but not so much the northwest, a clear indication of a lack of national framework. Also on the panel was Kabir Adamu, a security expert and managing director of Beacon Consulting. Both
5: the counter-terrorism and counterinsurgency operations are quite active in both regions, and for the northeast elements within these two regions, um, we've also seen the governors of, of that region coming together and speaking with one voice. Unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing in the Northwest and not Central. And um, I think because there is no national framework, a federal framework for addressing the issues that are peculiar to that region, unfortunately, we have been growing. Um, banditry is a major challenge in, in that region. But because these, two, these three groups that I've mentioned earlier, the um, two of them have found footing in the locations, we seem to be um, monitoring uh, a partnership between these two uh, groups. So in Kaduna, we've seen instances where some of the bandit groups have partnered. They've partnered with, 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 the, with the two groups, and um, an example is the attack on the Kaduna uh, boundary. Um, There's enough evidence to suggest that the two groups um, they partner together. Uh, then also, the indication is that the Kuji incident was also um, a partnership between these two groups. Um, So that's a very disturbing trend. And that brings me to the federal capital territory, where we've seen a rise in crime, uh, and then, of course, um, uh, the banditry in virtually all the six uh, council areas.
0: He also speaks on strategies to contain insecurity.
5: A good example is what they call the G7. Um, Monies have been approved by the minister, and an operation is currently ongoing. Uh, we know that they are clearing forested parts of um, the, the six councils that I've mentioned. We, we know they've been raiding um, you know, areas where they believe what they call these crimes uh, are staying and we've seen a lot of progress in that area. Um, moving to the southeast, uh, the issue of um, you know, secessionist agitation by the indigenous people of Biafra, the, the unknown gunmen quote-unquote, uh, gunmen what column, and then the politicization of the activities of this, this group has also been a trend that we've monitored in the morning. But there is a lot of um, uh, say progress, in particular, if we pick the Anambra state, I think the governor has been able to create the platforms for addressing the security challenges in that sense. So the trend at the moment is um, we've noticed the reduction of almost about 80% of the incidents, in particular in Anambra state. Um, Unfortunately, ABIA state and EMO state still remain of concern. Um, One of the things that we're looking at is how can these two states, as an example, pick up what the governor of Anambra state has been able to do by providing the political platform for addressing the the issues in in those locations. And that leaves me with the South-South. And I think it's the biggest um, challenge to the Nigerian state at the moment, oil test. it's hot in the economy, uh, it leaves some of us that are into security a little bit perplexed because uh, the issues um, are so monumental that to an extent there is a perception that there is um, actually state involvement in is what is called official um, bunkering, an official um, oil theft. Uh, to the extent that Nigeria doesn't even know the quantity of oil it produces, uh, to the extent that um, even the oil that is imported uh, ends up being stolen and Last month, in August, we saw a lot of um, you know, bulk passing between the officials. At one point, it was the um, NNPC-GMD that released a statement. The Navy came out to deny a statement. And so that issue remains unsolved. Uh, the controversial award of a contract to an ex-militant is also a, an issue that is being uh, discussed at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, despite all these discussions, there is no credible solution to, to that issue. I'm aware that the Parliament has been you know, involved, it's invited all the stakeholders to several meetings, but we're yet to see a credible And um, The silver lining that appears to be in that region is um, a similar operation that has been very successful in managing and piracy to the extent that the Gulf of Guinea, I think for the uh, first half of this year, recorded zero incidents from a very high incidence. So some of the uh, discussion at the moment is why don't we move that um, solution to oil, oil theft? If, if we could have a solution that is almost 100% effective, then all we need to do is just you know, expand the uh, area of, of operation of that operation into that
0: place. Kidnapping for ransom is a real fear for Nigerians, with ransoms anywhere from hundreds of millions of Naira to just tens of thousands. And linking it to poverty opens up the danger of criminalizing the poor.
3: When you link, we need to be careful not to criminalize poor people. You need to be able to identify when there's an opportunity to do something and you get away with it, it would happen. So what's been the response, the state response to addressing issues related to kidnapping? Has it been effective? Um, Kabiru has said, kidnapping has become like a, is it, I'll call it organized crime, a business model that has partnerships across with those, the locals and those that have the arms and those that have the wherewithal. Um, You also know, one of the things we also need to note is that most times, when the kidnapping rings are broken, it's the footstool soldiers that are arrested. But you're not getting to the people that are pulling the shots and are doing the planning. So there are multiple layers. It's like a value chain. It's an industry with a value chain. And you've not been able to get to the root of it. The situation of the welfare and economy in the country is making it um, possible for certain people to join. But at the same time, there are people that are within the same um, enclave that are not joining. So you you can't, that's why I say we can't fully say it is poverty. There's an issue of impunity. There's an issue of a faulty system. There's an issue of uh, of the, um, I'll say the long way the justice system goes. So when there's an arrest, we see. If there is a prosecution that ends in um, conviction, we can't see. Um, My organization was recently doing some work in Adamawa and we were looking at the court processes and within the court processes, we couldn't identify one case relating to banditry or kidnapping being processed in court. So the question you ask is, how? what is happening to these cases? If the criminal justice system is not effective enough to address from the point of arrest to prosecution to conviction, and we can't see it, and that's, just, that's one state we're looking at, then there is a problem.
0: The problem also opens up the issue of responsibility. A handful of agencies and ministries attend to security issues, but whose responsibility is it really?
3: The data speaks to this clearly. On crime and security, what the indicators show clearly is that the most, it says the most important problem that citizens want the government to address is crime and security, then you saw management of the economy and then we see unemployment. The primary responsibility of government is safety, security and the welfare of its citizens. From that data, it shows latently that the government has failed in its primary responsibility to its citizens. Two, when you look at the data that looked at inter- um, the police, It shows that people minimal request for assistance. People are not going to the police for assistance, yet we are engaging and we are coming in contact with them. So the question you ask is, who are you going to for assistance? Yeah, so self-help mechanisms most likely have been put in place. You see from the data, that people trust religious and traditional rulers more than they trust the government and its agencies of government. Let's move back to the Northeast. How did Boko Haram start? It was a religious organization. The The people trusted it and they bought into the message. When it became active and it became violent and it got into politics, it still enjoyed the favor and the trust of the people. Because it carried a religious face and they trusted the religious process. If we go to our communities, all of us are from somewhere, we're not from Abuja. As much as people, as much as the politicians are throwing ethnicity at us, people still trust their traditional rulers and you still have policing traditional, traditional policing structures in place. You have traditional justice structures in place and these structures are working, quote unquote, people are engaging it. They are engaging with it because they feel it is addressing some of their needs. And we have the formal government in place that people are not engaging with and people do not trust. How do we come to the middle ground of it? Until we come to the middle ground of this scenario, have been painted, we will continue to deal with groups like IPOP that would initially come up, enjoy the trust of the people, become politicized and then turn against the same people they claim to represent or protect. IPOP is not an isolated incident in the southeast. Go to any part of the country, you have such mechanisms in place in some parts of the country these mechanisms have been adopted by the state and have been backed by state edits so we seem to be dancing around it and kabiru has said it's a, it said if we are in a pre election year the question you would ask is what role are these actors going to play during elections if elections hold
0: unpacking the data on crime security and kidnapping does throw up a lot of questions
4: so, my question is How do we begin to mobilize national consciousness around threats that have multiplying effects across the region? Then,
0: second question I want to do are... That's George Rukafo asking about confronting threats with multiplier effect improving trust in security agencies and the political economy of kidnapping. Kabir responds.
5: Why this failing trust in, in the police? Part of the reason, I think, is actually not the fault of the police. It is the way the policing structure is organized in Nigeria. And I know Kenya has done a lot of work, organization, and I uh, attempt to support the restructuring and reorganization of the police. Um, if you've read the Senior report, you know that part of the challenge that we have in Nigeria, especially in policing, is the lack of delineation of the functions of some of the organizations that have responsibility for policing. Um, road safety, an example, and to an extent with civil defence. If you start with civil defence, you realize that it's not clear of what its mandate should be. Um, I've been in forums where the civil defence is actually arguing with the military some of these responsibilities should be uh, you know, part of what the military is currently doing. Um, in some countries, all of these organizations, I think we've identified about seven of them that are actually policing um, organizations. So if you match them with police, they probably would be able to function better. Um, again, I think then will speak a little bit of that. Then, I think you asked the question, how do we rebuild the trust? confident in public security institutions. In um, I think the answer is really simple. It's about effectiveness. If if, if you are serving my purpose, uh, I will trust you. If, however, you are not serving my purpose, then I'm not likely to trust you. And to that extent, I would like to even though really this is, um, I think, a little bit controversial, comment the current administration for looking at some of the laws that established this uh, some of the organizations Those laws were never um, reviewed. Most of them were set up under military dictatorship. The um, element around um, uh, meeting the rights and um, the needs of the average Nigerian were not considered. But uh, the beginning point is changing that mandate, the laws that set set them up, and to ensure that embedded in that law is principles around human rights, around um, and for, you know, the response for the needs and requirements of the average Nigerian, um, the gender lens and element, and I, I think was like we can speak about, um, and several other components. So if you look at the police as an example, the police act has we reviewed, the challenge, however, in the implementation of that act, and the moment we start implementing, I think people would see that we have a new police that is responding to their needs, the political economy of kidnapping and act, whether uh, uh, the collection of ransom is a way to redistribute, redistribute wealth. Um, I don't think so. I don't think there's any uh, legitimate uh, policy or strategy by government around that. Rather, um, unfortunately, I think uh, the whole issue uh, took the government as a pride and I've stated with all no sense of responsibility. And the reason is, if you look across the states, I've had reason to do that. All states handle this issue differently. There are states where uh, ransom collection are banned. There are states where there's a death penalty. But none of them has approached this subject academically and laid the foundation for addressing um, kidnapping for ransom using um, the knowledge that is available. On, I mean, the basic knowledge of, in criminology. It's, um, I think situational crime analysis which look at looks at the three angles of every crime um, the willingness to commit that crime the benefit from that crime and then of course um, the uh, consequences of that crime if we look at these three angles and then for each one of them tweak the environment around it then perhaps we'll be looking at the solution currently I don't think what are the federal I think of the none of them that is why
3: there has been an increase in for our Another thing that comes out very clearly is how prepared are the police when the military has taken over the responsibility of the police. So you can see that most of the issues around security, internal security, are being taken over by the military. So how prepared are the police? They don't have that, even that capacity and even, even if they don't have that capacity,
0: and this is Tijani Abdul-Karim, Executive Director of Socio Economic Research and Development Center, questioning the role of government security agencies in the face of private and semi-private security firms and apparatus. Cameo Okenyodo gives an illustration of interdependence and threats with multiplier effects.
3: I'll just speak to the issue of threats that have multiplier effect and the fact that we do not see how we are interdependent on each other and one that I would like to um, draw an illustration is the high cost of foodstuffs right now in the market. And I'm sure none of us are linking it to the failure or the inability for the food basket within the Northwest and the Northeast and the people in the rural area to access the farmlands. Um, It's not there. They go, they get kidnapped. Then who pays? That's where the 50,000, 20,000 ransoms are coming into it. But we're all feeling the brunt of the high costs of foodstuffs in the market. There is a need to see and map how we are interdependent and how we gain or profit from each other's peaceful existence. And that needs to be amplified within the schools Um, mainstreamed into curriculum, mainstreamed into discussions, into dialogues, um, in a structured strategic way.
0: But that all comes down to public confidence in state apparatus.
3: Confidence in state apparatus, obviously from the data, people do not trust government. Police is the face of government that people see, and I need to be going to Aso Rock for me to meet with the president, maybe the chief of staff. But I don't need to be going out of my way to meet with the police. So that's why the data is telling us, do you encounter, and you see a high rate of people saying, we encounter the police, because we encounter them every day. The disaffection that we have towards the state, towards the legislators, towards the executive, towards everything that is government that is not working, be on the police. So we need to appreciate that the police take a brunt of disaffection to government and the police also operate within the political environment in which they find themselves. I'll use Trump administration in the US as an example. Most of us saw how the civil, Policing system in the U.S. nearly went amok with having the wrong person in the White House. And we're asking yourself, are these the same set of people or did they recruit new people into their police and their policing structures? No, they they followed the body language of the person that was in their own um, White House, the executive. And that's what we continue to see with our own policing system. So beyond the president and, his, and maybe his team, you will have multiple layers of presidents, of political office holders in Nigeria and the police and every other infrastructure take cue from that.
0: While the survey shows falling trust in security agencies, it also shows increasing trust in religious and traditional leaders and institutions. But those who have listened to presentations on the data still question what solutions are available for Nigeria's security situation, and even beyond that, cybersecurity, and the options between kinetic and non-kinetic approaches to dealing with insecurity.
4: Police is the face of government
5: that we will see. So I'm wondering if I didn't miss out on the data, the armed forces appears to be one of the most trusted institutions of state. And if that's correct, why do we have this broad spectrum police on that side and forces on this side?
0: Because that's Stanley Ibe, a senior partner at GoodShare and Maxwell. From the findings, the international rulers and the religious leaders seem to be on the highest side of trust. And I believe they are constant actors. And this is Chine Dunorian, a security expert, questioning the responsibility for security and cybersecurity.
3: Government is you and I. However, we have elected certain people to be there. So the failure of safety and security is the failure of the government. It means that those that have been elected have no business being there and they have no business occupying that position because you have not, they have not been able to perform the primary, the basic reason they were elected into okay. office. That brings us to... How do we solve it? Then we come back to elections. However, when we're coming to the electoral process, I'm of the school of thought that the internal party politics needs to be gotten right. Because it's whoever, if the internal party politics is not democratic and transparent, that brings out the right set of people for you and I to vote, we're just playing. So this is where we are right now. So we've seen it's between it's whoever the parties have brought forward that we would vote for then that's another level of um, discussion when you see nature above vacuum because the state has failed you are seeing multiple self-help mechanisms evolving and you have them in different means different forms across the country so who solves it? We solve it. And we solve it the best way we know how to solve it. And that's the self help mechanisms that you're saying. But what it does is that it just further complicates and makes the water murky. And that is why we are where we are today.
0: Kabir Adamu notes media, family, school, and religious institutions are four areas of influence critical in Nigeria. A blend of kinetic and non kinetic approach. And the big question the country is not asking about cyber
5: security. If the shape of perception. If the media consistently keeps on telling you that the police is bad, then the likelihood is that the majority of the persons would believe that the media is bad. Only a very few who have the gift of the ability to interrogate what they have been told would now interrogate. Well, if you are saying this, perhaps, um, maybe it's different. If you've traveled from Abuja to Benue State and you've encountered probably about 40 checkpoints involving both the police and the military, the attitude you get from the police is not different from the attitude you get from the military. For how many Nigerians would actually take that into consideration when they are starting to like that? Again, it takes us back to this position by these four platforms of, of influence. We try to look at all the, um, especially within the executive, who have responsibility for implementing security, and we identified 27 ministries, departments, and agencies that have responsibility for implementing security. Those 27 are headed by either DGs or in certain instances minister. Um, ministers that like actually, depending on what level you are looking at. So if you want the granular response to your questions, those are the best that we should put accountable. They are the ones that are failed but then if you go to the legislature, they have responsibility for oversight over these 27 Now all we see more or less happening is they invite them occasionally to the parliament. But what of the oversight function? Remember the budget being passed. And you are in cyber security. If you look at the 2021 budget, there was a lot of um, elements around um, cyber security. How many organizations have actually implemented that? If they have, the security challenge of the country would have been reduced. So to the ex- what, what extent have we seen the parliament in its oversight function asking that question? We've, we've given you money to set up a cyber security unit. Have you set up that cyber security unit? So again, I'm breaking this all out. I know it's a little bit controversial. But we're in a pre-election yeah. Let's shift from this discussion around ethnicity and religion and focus on things. Like that, what kind of a monitoring and evaluation mechanisms are we going to introduce within the security sector that would allow us to look critically at measuring the performance of these 27 military departmental agencies and, more importantly, ensuring there is more effective oversight function by the parliament over security
0: Both Kenny Okenyodo and Kabir Adamu were panelists to discuss the findings of the survey on crime, security, and kidnapping by Afrobarometer, and we asked for their takeaways from this survey.
3: The major takeaway is that the government has failed in its primary responsibility of uh, providing safety, security and the welfare of its people, and that it's obvious that the people do not trust government or its agencies, and that the trust still relies with the people and those that represent the people. And that's why we see traditional rulers and the uh, religious leaders coming high. Um, for the police, um, I think um, the, police, the people are not going to the police for assistance and because they're not going to the police for assistance, there's no way they will know SWAT. because SWOT is because you need assistance, however people are encountering the police, so the next question is who are the people going to? We need to know who the people are going to. My benefit of hindsight is that there are self-help mechanisms and there are other layers of policing structures that are linked to the traditional rulers and the religious leaders that the people are engaging. For us going into elections these are issues, critical issues that the presidential candidates or the government that wants to take over, that wants to rule this country from 2023 need
5: to address. The only part I think is the the issue around the traditional rulers. There is a danger there, there there's a pitfall that we need to be very, very mindful of. And that pitfall is the politicization of that provision. In certain areas, in fact almost all the areas I can tell you part of the north, part of the south, where that institution unfortunately has played roles that have been controversial, and so we need to be mindful of that, and as part of the reform process, um, it, you know, institute measures that would reduce the politicization of that role, uh, the role of that institution in um, alternative dispute resolution and building mechanisms before crucial to our country, especially where we have not enough boots on the ground, especially at the rural areas. That implication is a very crucial role and we cannot afford to have that information for. The
0: politicized. NOI post is national partner for the Afrobarometer survey in Nigeria. NOIPO's chief executive officer Chiking Wangu, who presented the findings at this same nation event, summarizes the importance of the findings for Nigerians this period. Here is what he told the media present.
2: For this round we focus on our findings on crime, security, kidnapping, and policing in Nigeria and one of the key major things and the summary of what we are producing today is that a lot of Nigerians do not feel safe in Nigeria or do not feel that Nigeria is safe. I'm going to put the numbers exactly, I think about 74% of Nigerians do not feel that Nigeria is somewhat safe or safe at all. These are very concerning numbers and we feel that these topics are important for us to put in the news now and for people to address as we are in an election period and people are talking to us about why they should become our leaders. These are issues that they need to tackle and they should tell us how they intend to address these issues going forward. One of the top issues that people pointed out included things like um, break-ins, um, kidnapping, armed robberies, as well as um, as stealing, li- stealing of livestock. So these are issues that are top burning on Nigerians, uh, on, on Nigerians' minds, and we need to understand how our future leaders intend to address these issues for us to move this country forward.
0: And that was Chike Mangu, CEO of NOI Polls, speaking to the press about the critical security situation of the country going into elections next year. It comes after a poll by Afrobarometer shows a high proportion of Nigerians do not feel safe, are worried about crime, and were concerned about kidnapping and insecurity. The full report is available on noi-polls.com. You can find infographs to help you understand in a heartbeat. on our social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, just search for NOI polls. This program is available as a podcast on any of our favorite podcast platforms. Just search for NOI Pulse. Data Chat is a production of NOI Pulse, and we'll be back next Friday at 5 p.m. On behalf of the production crew and management, I'm Jotlena Ducampo. Have a great weekend.
1: It's Gross Blunder. Theorize before one has data. At data chart, we
4: analyze. Our politicians are indulgent when it comes to dealing with crime. We interrogate. We need to increase the strength of the police. But right now, there are about 370,000 according to them and uh, how do they cover Nigeria? We interpret. And the trafficking in persons law has said that you cannot use any child that is below 12 in any home as a domestic help.
1: We help decision makers and you understand the numbers. 78%
4: of
2: citizens agree or strongly agree that the news media should constantly investigate and report on
0: government mistakes.
1: Join the Data Chart Conversation every Friday, 5pm to 6pm on Ray Power FM 100.5 Abuja for inquiries and advert places. Call 0906 420 5487. Data Charts. Powered by NOI Polls Limited.